Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And, of course, I'm joined, as always, by wingman Tom Dorian. Luxurious Tom? is right. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing I'm doing really well. Doing really well. I'm excited about today's show. You're always excited. I know. I, I'm paid to be excited. Yes. But I'm not paid. But that's a whole other <laughs> issue right there. So today we have some of our friends. They come breezing through town, and we love to have them in here, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Uh, and when we see Rock the stars. we see the men in gray, yeah. right? They come in here and uh, they just like take the town over. It's a beautiful you know, sight, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit just walking, and yeah. we and we love to see these guys. And so we we got one of them to come in and be with us. We have uh, Brother day. Rock Mary, right? Brother that's, Rock, that's it. Brother now, Rock Mary. when people hear Brother Rock, the first thing they think, you know, they take a look at you. Pretty intimidating looking fella. I mean, you oh know, yeah, handsome guy. Of course, you're bald on top, and that's that's by choice. Yep. Got this uh, this beard going, and the and the gray, and they hear rock, and they think R O C K. Like is this like the brother rock star? Yeah. yeah. But it's not, is it? It's R O C H actually. Yeah. Named after uh, Saint Rock. He's my patron. A great uh, patron saint, and obviously uh, you chose him for a particular reason. Did, he, did you identify with uh, Saint Rock? Yeah. One of the one of the things that struck me in his life was his pilgrimage. He was trying to make to Rome. Uh, that he had kind of planned, and the Lord always kind of diverted his plans, um, similar to my own life. You know, I had my own hopes and plans, and the Lord showed me what his his were for my life. So we ought to talk, Brother Rock, about about your life. I think a lot a lot of folks would be interested in finding out how you found the Lord's path in your life. Sure. You know, let's go back and let's just kind of let's kind of talk about the beginning. Where I mean, where were you as a as a kid? Well, just to give you a little bit of a, a background, I I grew up in a Catholic family. Um, weren't super devout or anything, you know. They went to went to church on Sunday, so I grew up in Catholic school. Went By the to, way, nowadays that that is super devout. Apparently, okay. if you go to church on Sunday, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a whole other show right there. But sure. yeah, so I'll you went. There. You were the casual Catholic, so you're pretty good Catholics. You went there on Sunday. Yeah, went 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 to church, you know, and did the did the Catholic school thing. But you know, learned a lot about God, but never never really encountered Him. Never really knew who God was. Um, and I had a lot of trials in the beginning periods of my life. Um, when I was in first and second grade, I, I had a really bad hip disease. It's called Perthes. Hmm. So I had to wear these leg braces uh, for about two years. Mm. So I was basically like the Forrest Gump of, of the school, you know, in the neighborhood and couldn't do all the things that I wanted to do. And that's a terrible experience for obviously for a kid, just for, not only for the physical incapacity, but I bet, imagine mentally getting teased. and Sure. I mean, I felt abandoned, rejected, um, awkward. You know, I was kind of the odd man mm-hmm. out. and Yeah. And then really trying to reflect on my relationship with God, which I really didn't have one, um, just experiencing all that darkness and that, that physical suffering, that emotional suffering. And it's like I hear about, you know, at church and school, this, this God who loves me, but it's like, where is he? You know, all I'm experiencing is darkness, uh, loneliness, uh, physical pain, and, and all this, these trials, you know. So here you're looking for the God that loves you, and, and you're experiencing Job. I mean, you're just having all this misery and not really... That's it. Except you didn't have the faith of Job yeah. at that point, right? You didn't have that to fall back on. I didn't, you know, and I was drawing my strength from myself at that point, too. Mm. And uh, that kind of darkness kind of really permeated my life in those early years in my relationships. And, and growing up, um, that darkness was kind of still there. And, you know, there was a lot of anger in my heart, a lot of rebellion. So about 
13, 14 years old, just going through uh, junior high, really started to make some bad choices in my life, hanging out with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things. And obviously those choices have grave effects at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to talk about where I encountered Christ was those bad choices ended up me being incarcerated three different times. So, mm. okay, but let's talk about the choices for a second. Yeah. Because that, this is an important point. You make the, those little choices that we make in life, sometimes we think are inconsequential. You know, that's really, it's harmless. It's not a big deal. So maybe you pop off a little bit, you get a little angry at times, you get in fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously for you, it ended up a lot worse off than you'd ever expected it would. Yeah, it ended up a lot worse off, as you said. Um, so during my second incarceration, um, that was the darkest period of my life. Why were you incarcerated? Basically just getting in fights, you know, that anger. Mm-hmm. Um, so assault stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's pretty bad if you're in jail because of that. I mean, I know people that fight. My kids fight. Uh, and <laughs> sometimes I think about putting them in jail. But yeah. for you, it was the real deal. It was, it was the real deal. And the second time, you had a profound experience. Yeah. and I, you know, So basically, I had two charges, and then I was looking at eight years. Oh, wow. And they were trying to make me the poster boy, basically, and you know, really try to put me away. And uh, it all started one day when I went to court. Um, I finally got all my charges. Okay, eight years. They're trying to send me to prison, a youth prison. I'm 17 years old. And I, it's just hitting me, like, finally. Like, this is reality. Like, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is my future. So all the, all the seeds of anger, all the seeds of whatever have been implanted in your life that you planted yourself. Exactly. Now they're coming to fruition, and now you're starting to see the fruitlessness of your life, and you're starting to see this vast wasteland. Exactly. And I had nobody to blame. I couldn't blame God. I couldn't blame my family, my friends, only myself. So just that feeling, like I did this to myself, you know. How, how'd that make you feel? I mean, what, what were you feeling at that point? I mean, hell on earth, to be honest with you, is, mm. would be the best definition. Just you know, we talk about the Catholic teaching on hell, and a lot of people say, well, what's it like? Is it this fiery place? But you know what? The most important thing that we teach in Catholic theology is hell is really the absence of God. And so mm-hmm. what you were experiencing really was yeah. a taste of hell. You felt like God was absence. And, you know, and. You were you were you've you've told me before that you're you're you know sitting there staring at your lack of life before you. Yeah, yeah. So basically, that like you said, the fruit of my sin was this misery, mm-hmm. uh, me being tortured and basically having no freedom. You know, at least physically. Um, so I'm looking at the papers and I just I just broke down. You know, total despair, no hope. Um, before you go any further. We've painted this picture. You here. You are. You're in this jail. So I want to. I want to dip back a little bit. We'll come back to this moment, sure. and you know we'll we'll come back on the other side of the break and talk more about this. But let's go back again because I want people to hear and let's talk a little bit about your your Catholic upbringing because you were a Catholic mm-hmm. and every if you would you would have identified yourself as a Catholic. Sure. You went to mass, and so I know there's a lot of folks listening right now who are going to mass, who their kids are going to mass, and still seem to get in a lot of trouble. And maybe they're thinking, well, at least they're going to mass. At least. At least they're they believe in something, and and I see that. And maybe we need to be more aware of of what's going on in someone's life. Mm-hmm. You know that maybe there's something deeper, something more profound that needs to be addressed. Because just going to mass doesn't necessarily make you Catholic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was a believer. Um, you know, I believed in God, but I, there was no relationship. It was just kind of going into mass, doing the thing for an hour, and and checking out, and never praying, never reading the scriptures. So it was just. Did you go to like to any kind of Sunday school or catechism or any of that kind of stuff? Did you learn the, the the normal things that every Catholic would kind of know? Yeah, I mean, we walked through the the different teachings on the sacraments and and who is who's Jesus and 
the whole gamut, you know. No application. You're not living it out. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. In, I did not integrate anything. It just stayed in my head. So yeah. it was just head knowledge. It never dropped down into the heart. Mm-hmm. And see, that's why I want to bring that part up again and kind of focus on that a little bit because I think that there's so many people who are listening, and I myself have experienced that in my life where you you would identify yourself. You say, "Hey, I'm wearing a hat that says I am a Catholic." You know, you wear the little medal that says, I'm a Catholic, call a priest, you know, and, and, and you're identifying yourself as a Catholic, and yet somewhere I'm sure deep most down, people are like that, too. There's a lot of people like that, I yeah. think, and, and it's, a, it's a profound sadness when they don't necessarily understand that to actually, actually to, to really be a Catholic is to live as a Catholic, yeah. but really, as you're saying, it's, it's about having that relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so for those people, what advice do you give those, those parents right now who are kind of listening and going, wait a second. Brother Rock here is kind of helping me to identify that this is this is Junior, my son, or my my beautiful daughter, who I think she says she's Catholic, and I know that they borrow the car keys and they go to mass, you know, Sunday nights or whatever, with the, where the kids go, the youth mass or whatever, and I I think that's where they're going, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. What do, what do you tell a parent in that situation based on your own experience? Well, I definitely say to that it's important for us all to pray to pray for one another. We need to intercede. Um, in it to invite to share your faith you know mm-hmm. faith is something that we live it's something that we share if it is something that you cherish deeply you want to share that with others um but really we need to establish a prayer life we, you know um our faith is what we put into it if you don't put anything into it you're not going to get anything out of it yeah, yeah. even though it's yep. not about us it's about christ but he wants to bless us so we got to put energy into it we put our energy into all these other things which they're really you know they could be distractions and our faith is kind of the last thing on the list, or we're kind of like the cafeteria Catholic who just kind of picks and chooses what he or she wants, and and that's it, and it's 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 all or nothing. We or we're the we're the spectator, right? Or the pew warmer, you know, all these yeah. names for these different kind of Catholics that sure. show up on Sunday. And and I've always said, or I've heard it said that, uh, and I repeat that, you know, just because you're standing in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. So sure. just standing in a church, going to church on Sundays, it doesn't make you a Catholic. Sure. It doesn't really make you a believer. But then there's these decisions that we make in life. Let's talk about those for a second. These seemingly innocent, harmless decisions, especially for our young folks who are listening now who might think, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Mm. This, this little thing, you know, I'm, I'm going to this party, and I know there's going to be some drugs, but I'm not going to really go overboard. I'm going to do a little bit of this, or I, I don't want to look like... Slippery slope. I don't want to look like a nerd or whatever. Yeah. I want to look cool to my friends. Sure. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you tell those kids? Well, it's tough. I mean, the the flesh is weak, right? We're we're human beings and uh, experiencing the effects of original sin in our life and the effects of our own sin. And you know, we need to learn from our mistakes. You know, if you're if you're weak in an area, you know, maybe drinking, then you can't go to the party because if you go, you know, what's going to end up happening is you're probably going to have a drink, and then it's just going to lead one thing to the next. You know, we have good intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Hmm. Right? Absolutely, these, and these these little small incidental seemingly harmless events in our life these baby steps are the ones that can do us the most damage because they start to plant those seeds sure right that later bear uh uh, sometimes terrible awful fruit Mm -hmm. uh and we are going to talk more about that terrible awful fruit specifically what happened to you we're going to go back to that jail cell here in in just one second in your your second incarceration we're going to talk about that right after we take this break before we do that i want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website it's www.thecatholiccafe.com if you want to contact us i would love to hear from you send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com and so with that we'll be right back I'm Bess Drzemski. 
And this is another great moment in church history. To live a virtuous life is to live a saintly life. And at the core of every saintly life is a spirit of true humility. This idea runs counterculture, however, in a world that prizes wealth, pride, and pleasure. We've all heard that famous pop song of the 70s, The Me Decade, that boasts that it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way, and at the root of the humor lies the faint ring of truth. Once again, Catholic tradition is filled with many great saintly insights into the virtue of humility. When speaking about humility, St. Augustine tells us that humility is a prerequisite for any of the other virtues. He says, Humility is the foundation of all the virtues. Therefore, in a soul where it does not exist, there can be no true virtue. The simple yet profound advice of St. Stephen of Hungary still rings true today. Be humble in this life, he says, that God may raise you up in the next. And St. Bernard rightly points out that humility has eternal benefits as well. He says, Humility is necessary not only for the acquisition of virtues, but even for salvation. For the gate of heaven, as Christ himself testifies, is so narrow that it admits only little ones. St. Francis of Assisi made humility one of the cornerstones of his life and one of the greatest goals of his order. He saw Jesus himself as the perfect model of humility in dying on the cross and being ever present for us at the Eucharistic sacrifice at Holy Mass. St. Francis tells us, Every day Jesus humbles himself just as he did when he came from his heavenly throne into the virgin's womb. Every day he comes to us and lets us see him in objection when he descends from the bosom of the Father into the hands of the priest at the altar. Pride is the enemy of humility and so leads to all sin. Only by the grace of God and the triumph of Christ on the cross can we overcome the sin of pride and freely welcome a spirit of true humility so that we may strive for perfection in holiness. Again, St. Augustine tells us, Humility is so necessary to perfection that of all the ways to reach it, the first is humility, the second humility, the third humility. And if the question were repeated a hundred times, I should always give the same answer. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm still sitting here with uh, wingman Tom Dorian and, of course, our guest uh, from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, Brother Rock Mary. And so, Brother Rock, let's go back to your second incarceration, and you're in the jail cell. So you're looking at papers. Tell us, I mean, what, what are you feeling at this point? So I'm looking at these papers, and I'm, and I'm realizing I'm the cause of all of this. I'm the root of this, you know, fruit that's being born in my life, the, the fruit of my sin, the, thru- the fruit of my bad mistakes, um, feeling lonely, feeling abandoned, uh, fear, um, uncertainty, um, just totally alone, nowhere to turn. And, uh, you know, the big bad, you know, Keith, that was my baptismal name. I was, I was running, I, I was running out of strength. There right. was nothing left. I was drawing it all for myself. And it was, 
it was running out. So I'm sitting there looking at the papers, and I started to cry. I just broke down. You know, total, be, say, mm. say that you were, I mean, at this point, you were in despair. I mean, total despair. And even the su- thought of suicide mm. run through my mind. And, you know, even kind of looked around, and I'm like, no, I can't do that. But, yeah, just total despair. Total despair. No so just, hope. No hope. No strength. Broke down, fell on my knees, just started crying. And that, those tears, that, that crying turned into like a wailing almost. And uh, it was, I was so loud that one of the, the guards, one of the prison guards came in, and she said, what's wrong? And I said, this is what's wrong. And I showed her the papers. And I said, they're, they're tra- attempting to give me eight years in prison. And at first she didn't believe me, but then when she looked at it, she's like, you're right. And she said, may God help you. Mm. Those are the only words of consolation, I think, that, that she could give me. There was no answer except except Christ. Mm. But those turned out to be some pretty profound words for you. Very profound words. Um, reflected on that for a minute and realized that maybe I should try to pray. Maybe she's right, you know. Maybe all the seeds that were planted in, in Catholic school and uh, through my parents, they're sharing their faith with me. So I, I tried to say a prayer. I tried to start with the Our Father. Couldn't finish it. Couldn't remember it. Hail Mary, glory be, same thing, most traditional, you know, prayers that everybody learns in Catholic grade school. Right. But once again, it was, it never dropped into the heart. Mm. You know, there was no relationship. So it was just rote memory. It was just reading prayers off, you know. So I break down, can't say those prayers, and I, the Holy Spirit just stirs inside of me. And I, I said three words. And when those words left my heart, not even my mouth, I felt the presence of God. I said, Jesus, help me. And he came. He showed up. The, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, um, my Savior, my God, and my all. He came into that room. I didn't see him, but I, but I, I felt his presence. Um, and I knew a few things. I knew, I think, three things in that experience. I knew that God was real because I was encountering him in that moment. Nobody could take that experience from me. Um, I knew that he loved me. The tears dried up. I had a profound peace, even a joy because I was in the presence of God. I, I couldn't even think about anything else. Um, but here's the big kicker right here. The invitation, or the challenge rather, that I needed to change my life. Right? That there was still a big road ahead. This is a journey. Um, my problems didn't go away in a split second. I was still staring at the, my paperwork. Um, but I knew in that moment as well, there was a grace that was given to me, even though I still needed to enter into deeper repentance and contrition for my sins and go to confession. Um, I knew that God could give me the grace to do that time if that's what happened. But kind of miraculously, they end up, one of the charges fell off, and then they gave me a plea bargain of nine months. So I got nine months instead of eight years. But what's so beautiful, let's go back for just one second. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're there in that jail cell, and just moments before... I mean, you, you just uttered the word suicide. And I know that you, you, you maybe came to your senses at that point. Like, well, that's not necessarily where well, I have to go. But, you, but you're despairing to the point where there is no hope. And then suddenly, with just those three words. Three words. Right. With those three words, your life turns around. Even though the same exact things are still facing you, the same problems, you still had those eight years looking at you, yeah. staring you at the face on, in the face. Same with struggles, the papers. same temptations. And yet you had joy. I had you, joy. You, you, it's just like that's a, that's amazing, see, because that's the kind of stuff people find hard to believe. But how that that relationship with Christ makes all that's the that's the difference between the before and the after is sure. that relationship. Yeah, I, I had instant knowledge that that every, that everything was possible. That that I could I could do that time if that's what I needed to do. I needed to face um, the results, the effects of of my bad choices. But I knew Christ was with me. Mm. I had faith, a gift of faith in that moment, and I had a hope. 
um, and I had a joy, and my joy was Christ. And that that one singular moment, that that simple prayer of three words, prayer of the heart, changed my entire life. Changed the whole course of my life. I was I was literally transformed in in a split second by the grace and power of. The Holy Spirit. So the 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 tough guy, and back then you were Keith, that's your baptismal yeah. name. So the tough guy, Keith, now broken down and emptied, in a in a shell of yeah. a shell of a man who's now filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with Christ. Yeah, I totally can honestly say Keith, Keith died in that moment. Yeah, because mm. Christ came in and made all things new. That's fantastic. So it, 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 things kind of worked a little bit better for you. You still had had to deal. You, you you did a little pleading and whatnot, and you had maybe had some good lawyers or the public defender or something working sure. on your side, and kind of things got a little bit better. But I, at the beginning, I think you told us that you uh, you had three incarcerations. That's right. And this profound experience took place on your second incarceration. My second one. And so I know I have listeners who have now pulled over to the side of the road. They're driving along. They're going, wait a second. Brother Rock three. found Jesus. Yeah, he found Jesus, and everything's all better. Because I know I talk to my my friends who say, "Oh, if you want to be happy and joyous and whatever and peace filled, you got to have Jesus in your life, right. and it's going to change everything." And I just love Jesus, and everything's great. And now my kids, when I'm we're going to heaven, and everybody's happy, and yet you still had a third incarceration coming. Sure. What, what happened? Did you lose Jesus suddenly? What happened? I did not lose Jesus, um, but the storms they still come. Right, but the storms always pass in our in our spiritual life and our journey. Um, basically, I got a DUI. That was my mm. the, the source of my third incarceration. I only did about ten days, so it wasn't a terrible experience. But once again, you know, I knew the Lord. I was going to church. I was even trying to go to daily mass and and pray and involve with the charismatic renewal and all these different things. But yet, the struggles are still there. Right, the darkness comes and goes. Right, that's reality. People think that when you know, in, in whatever setting you're in, however you have that epiphany, that experience, that revelation, you know, whether you accept an invitation, whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus, that people will think that all of a sudden your entire life is now going to be roses from that point forward. And I think this third incarceration for you kind of lets you know that, look, you, you still have to work through some stuff. It's still going to be tough. There's still going to be challenges. Sure. Yeah, I realized it was a big eye-opener. Um, you know, it was a bad mistake. Uh and I, it, it, like I said, it opened my eyes that I, that I still, I was weak. I'm, I'm still a broke, I'm still a broken man. Um, I need more of Jesus, right? I need to enter more deeply into what He started to do in my life. You, you had also mentioned that you had changed. I changed. Absolutely. You know how people change; they know they change. But, but did other people see that in you? I, I could definitely say that people saw it, and you know, basically, like, like who is this guy? Yeah, like this isn't the same Keith that we knew, right? Before this incarceration, yep. you know. Well, so now you you've told us that um, that that Keith died that day in prison, right? Yeah. And so sitting across from us is is God's new creation. His brother Rock is sitting here, Amen. right? And so here's here's brother Rock. And so how did we get from from the point of Keith dying and brother Rock being born? How how did that transition? How did you find yourself involved with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal? Well, I think a. A lot of prayers of my mother. <laughs> there um, you go, Saint Monica. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so I had a lot of people praying for me, just you know, just to get back on the right track and be faithful. Um, just as I started to enter more deeply into the invitation of a relationship with Christ, and just trying to be faithful, just trying to be a faithful Christian and say prayers and you know read the scriptures and uh, do what we're supposed to do. You know, not just sit there. 
um, kind of check in on Sunday and check out the, the time clock, you know. Um, yeah, so he just led me through that, that prayer life, through that relationship, and eventually I felt him pulling my heart, drawing me deeper and asking me to, to uh, become a priest. And wow. I got a priestly calling. Mm-hmm. So you're in you're in formation for the priesthood at this I'm point. I'm in formation for the priesthood. Yep. Right. What, what what appealed to you about the 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 friars? What what is it about the was it the beautiful gray habits you get to wear? It was a fashion statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I started to discern and think about the priestly life, I always remembered Saint Francis kind of growing up, and there's just something about the Franciscan way of life, taking the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And just leaving everything, giving everything, giving everything up for Christ to follow Him. I met the friars originally in 2006 on a short mission trip with the youth ministry at my parish in Honduras. And I and I kid you not, I literally could have joined the friars right there. I had my own business, I had my business for about three and a half years, metal fabrication and welding. I literally could have just left everything and just stayed down there with the brothers. Hmm. I knew I was that certain Christ was calling. See, me. even then, yeah, even then, you're 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 recognizing there's. In hindsight, we look back and realize, you know, ex- exactly what God was doing. But he, he gave you a taste of joy right there at that point, didn't he? He did. He was fulfilling this desire that I had to follow him and fulfill his will for my life more more perfectly and completely. And he and he made it known right when I got down there. You know, I knew right away, this is why I came to Honduras, was to meet the Franciscan mm-hmm. Friars of the Renewal, mm-hmm. not for what I could do for these people. They did more for me than I did for them. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. awesome. Now, how long have you been involved in, in, with the friars? It's been six years now, and I'm last summer I made my perfect, perpetual profession. So that's beautiful. I'm in this for for the long haul. Oh yeah, you, you you're you're in now. I'm in. That's awesome. In. And you know, and 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 I know that you're uh, so far your ministry's been blessed and and what you're doing and and what I love is the fact that even in once you feel like you're there, so to speak, like you you've arrived, the reality is you still continue. To, to be in that state of conversion, you're still always growing closer to God. Now, it's evident mm-hmm. uh, in, in the work that you do and the people that you encounter. And you're actually able to share your experiences from your previous life with all these people you encounter in the streets, don't mm-hmm. you? Yes. I mean, as we follow Christ, we're called to be his witnesses to tes- and to testify, right? So we have to witness to his goodness. And, and part of that is sharing our struggles with people, opening up our hearts so that we can all learn from one another, you know, because this is real. These are real life experiences, mm-hmm. not just something in a book, you know, but this is, yeah. That's beautiful. And Brother Rock, thank you so much for sharing your witness with us uh, and uh, just, just your life with us and it's oh, inspiration. It's yeah, all right, great. So much. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son sent to reconcile us to you for all eternity. Lord, we ask you to bless us. Help us to open our hearts to your love and mercy. May we unite our sufferings, our pain, to the pain of the one cross. And so open up for us the victory Jesus won for us on that same cross. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.